It is a good day to praise the Lord. So let's stand together and worship him together. Where is Thank you. 
He is so good to us. Aren't we thankful for our God who loves us so very, very much? Let's do this. Let's uh, dedicate this next hour completely to him as we bow our heads together in a word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, we're so grateful, so thankful, so many reasons. Lord, if we were to start naming our blessings, if we were to start thanking you for each one, we could go on for the rest of our natural lives and not exhaust all the good things that you're doing for us and have done for us. So, Lord, we bow before you as our almighty God, as our Emmanuel, as God with us through the life, through the storms of life, through the good times and the difficult. You're always God. We thank you for being there. Now, bless this congregation, this unique collection of, of people who've come together on this specific day to worship you and to learn about you. God, may you be glorified, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. <clears throat> Amen. Thank you. you. May be seated. We're glad to have you here. And I got to meet a couple of our first-time guests a little while ago, <clears throat> and we're so glad that you're here. And if you would do us a favor, uh, if it's your first time here at First Baptist Church, take one of these connection cards in the seat back in front of you, fill that out, and if you have a prayer request or if you have a question or whatever it is that you need to communicate with, use the back for that purpose, and then you can either give these to us or uh, we have a, a tithe and offering box to the left of the double doors. That's where our members put their tithes and offerings in. We ask you as a first-time guest or the first time in a long time, to go ahead and, and put your connection card in there too so we'll have a record of your visit. So thank you again for, for being here today. Let me make a couple of announcements. Uh, there will be a military meal, even though Ryan and Hope are, are out of town uh, today. There's going to be a military meal next door for all active military uh, right on the patio here. So we hope you'll stick around for that. It's open to all of you. And then check out the bulletin for Bible studies this week. Next Sunday, as we're talking about the uh, titles of God and the names of God. We're going to talk about Wonderful and Counselor. He is both wonderful and he is the best counselor in the, all of the universes. We still need teachers and workers. If you would like to help out in a children's department or, or some ministry you'd like to have, please check with us and we'll let you know what's necessary and uh, we, we'd love to have you volunteer. This coming um, Saturday, and Pat, if you could help me here, and Steve, if you could help me here. We have a sign-up sheet here. We're going to pass it back. Uh, we have several people that are coming now that we already know they're coming. But if you can be here Thursday at 4 o'clock to watch the movie, the Christian movie. I can't remember the name of it, but uh, it's going to be a good one. And there'll be food. We want to make sure we have enough food. So as we pass this back, if you have not yet already signed up, go ahead and sign up. And then we'll make sure we have enough food for everyone Saturday at 4 p.m. Uh, those that are interested, end of year giving, it's important to get that in as soon as possible. Uh, if, if you're giving for the calendar year, if that's important to you, be sure to do that as soon as possible. Now, here's, we're going to try this again. Uh, our pastor flubbed up last week royally, and I, I hate to cast blame on him, but he, it's, it was all his fault. And you're not supposed to be talking bad about the preacher. Just be quiet and get this done, okay? So, <clears throat> so I didn't sign. Uh, the, I was passing them out and realized I hadn't signed them. So we're going to try this again. April, can you help me with uh, uh, some handing out some on this side? And Pat, if you would help. I mean Robin, not April. There I go again. <clears throat> Who's April? Michelle Davey. I got that right. Michelle, come on up here. We've got a... This membership certificate. Mason Holmes. Mason, is, is Mason here today? Can you come and get this for him? All right. That will be for Mason. Uh, baptismal certificate. And uh, Natalia Rodriguez, are you here today? Natalia. Okay, and I don't see her. <clears throat> How about Isaiah Emma Noel Mora? Nay, I say. Okay. Uh, Sean, Toby, Sean, huh? Shane, Shane. It's it's shaping up to be one of those days again. I'm well on my way to. Uh, oh my goodness! All right, Sandra Cora. Did I pronounce that correctly? Who knows? Sandra's not here, so I can pronounce it however I want to. Brennan Height, Brennan. Yeah, right there, okay. 
new members or people who've been baptized. Rosalinda Berry, new member. Rosalinda, come on up here. All right. Hey, Shane, also a new membership uh, certificate in addition to being baptized. So it's a, it's a twofer. It's a twofer. Jerry Mason, new membership. And it's, I think, Linnea Lupecki. Linnea, does that sound right? No, it's close. All right. April? Would it be April? No, it wouldn't be April. Okay. Is Annabelle here? She is not. Okay. All right, good. I don't have to pronounce her last name because this is a tough one. Mac Berry, could, I don't see Mac, can, can you give that to him? You know him, right? That's right, all right. Tim Tucker, Tim Tucker membership. All right, here you go. And Katie Gross membership certificate. She's making her way down here. Monica Olivares. Yeah, come on there, Monica. She thought I forgot her last week. Actually, I forgot everybody last week. These are new members, people who've uh, either transferred their membership from another church of like faith, or they're people who've been saved and baptized and uh, at First Baptist Church, one or the other, and we are thanking God for them because, as you know, the Lord gives, Uncle Sam takes away. So he transfers people out every so often, but then the Lord sends us new people. So get to know these folks, welcome them, let them know they're an important and vital part of the body of Jesus Christ right here in Coronado. So let's give them a hand once again. God bless you all. Thank you. Thank you so much. You may be seated. And let's stand together and continue to worship our Lord.
Thank you so much. Thank you, praise team. All right, you may be seated, and I'm going to ask the boys and girls to come on up to the front. And uh, by the way, Grant Gorkin, welcome home, huh? Let's give him a hand. <laughs> Hadn't been kicked out of college. He's just on break right now, so we're glad to see him back here. Wanted to put him to work in the sound booth, but I thought maybe we'd be easy on him. So, All right, as all the boys and girls come on up here, let me let moms and dads know that our Christmas candlelight service, you need to make a note of this, will be on... December the 24th at 4 p.m., different time than normal. We have, because it's a Saturday night, we have people who want to get with family and so on. Uh, we figure that'll allow time, and still it should be dark enough uh, that the candlelight service will be very, very impressive and moving service. So December 24th, 4 p.m., candlelight service. And then Sunday morning, I heard some churches are not having services on Sunday morning because it's Christmas. Which makes me wonder all kinds of things. <laughs> like, what are we really celebrating? And, you know? So we're going to, you know, what are we celebrating? Jesus, you are absolutely right. And she knows a lot more than a lot of preachers do, evidently, about canceling their churches. But let me talk, talk to you about something that happened at that first Christmas time. How many of you know the mommy of Jesus? How many know who Jesus' mommy was? Yeah. That's exactly right. Mary, and she was a sweet young girl, and she was chosen specially by God. How many of you know, I know you'll know this, how many of you know how far it was from Nazareth to Jerusalem? <laughs> how far? A while. A while. It was actually a while and a half. It really was. How many of you know how far it is from Coronado to Dana Point? How many of you know how far it is to Disneyland? You don't know how? Has anybody been to Disneyland? Okay, well, it's farther than it is from Nazareth to Jerusalem. Sea World? Okay, well, that's a lot closer. It was 70 miles from Nazareth where Jesus and his mom and Joseph were all the way to Jerusalem where they had to go because the government said they had to have a census and had to be counted, so it was 70 miles. Listen, how did they get there? Did they take the bus? No? Hmm? Camels? Oh, yeah? A donkeys? They took some kind of a beast of burden, probably a donkey, and they didn't have, I don't know if they had two or just had one. Every nativity thing I've ever seen had one donkey, yes. They had one donkey. They had one donkey. That's kind of what I'm thinking. And so that meant that one of them had to walk while the other one was riding. And have you ever ridden a donkey? Anybody ever ridden a donkey? You have? You've ridden a horse. That's a lot like it, only with shorter ears. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, okay, so how many of you can imagine riding a donkey for 70 miles? How many of you could imagine walking 70 miles? If you walked at about, you can imagine that? You can imagine riding the donkey, but not walking that far, right? No, okay, so what was I going to say? Uh <laughs> Yeah, can you imagine how dirty you would feel after riding for, oh, it would take, if you, it, walking is about three, four miles an hour is the average, so it would take uh, over 20 hours to walk that far, and I'm sure they didn't just do it all at once, because Mary was about to have what? A baby, and so, because she was about to have a baby, it wouldn't be a good idea to walk 20 miles, uh, or 70 miles and 20 hours all at one time. So they probably stopped along the way several times, and it was a long trip, and when they got there, they were dusty, and they were dirty, and they were stinky, and, and so they wanted to check in to the Motel 6, but guess what? There were no rooms available. Have you ever been on vacation, and your mom and dad stopped somewhere to stay the night, and there were no vacancies nowhere, and you had to keep driving and keep driving and keep driving? Well, they didn't have anywhere else to keep going, too, so they had no place to stay. But you know, the innkeeper, the guy who took care of the Motel 6, he said, we have a stable out back for the camels and the donkeys, 
And if you want to stay there, you can. And so he made room for them in the stable. And guess what? That night, Mary had baby Jesus. And I'll bet you that the innkeeper is so glad that he made room for Jesus. And what I want all of you boys and girls to do is always to make room for Jesus in your life. Always, always, always make him most important. Okay? And try walking 70 miles somewhere. That, that, that'll give you a whole new appreciation for this. Let's bow our heads and pray. Our Father in heaven, we're so grateful and thankful for what Mary and Joseph did for us and what you enabled them to do. We're so thankful for the Son of God that was born for Jesus Christ, Emmanuel. We're so thankful that he loved us and that he lived a perfect life and that he died on the cross for our sins. But most of all, that he rose again after three days and became our eternal Savior. Father, we pray your blessings upon these girls and these boys. May they always, always, always make room for you, and may we do the same. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Go ahead and go to your classes. Thank you so much. 70 miles, folks, walking, riding a donkey, getting there. I remember a couple of times on vacation where we, we would go and we would extend our trip and say, you know, it's, it's only another 120 miles. Let's see if we can make it there and get there. And nothing was available. Nothing was available and had to keep on going even after that. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, behold, a virgin shall be with child. This is not new to anybody here. This is the old, old story, the old Christmas story, that a virgin would be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, meaning, which being interpreted is God with us. That short verse turned Joseph's world upside down. That short verse turned Mary's world upside down. That verse turned the world upside down, and actually maybe it turned it right side up. Maybe, maybe that's the way we At the other church where I was, one, one year, uh, one of my staff members had this brilliant idea of hanging Christmas trees from the ceiling upside down. And the whole point was because Jesus' birth turned everything upside down, turned the world upside down. The way it had been going, it never did go in exactly the same way again because Jesus made an eternal difference. So we referenced this verse, Matthew chapter 23, uh, last week, among many others, when we uh, talked about going into the Advent season. The word Advent means coming. And we talk about two different Advents, two different comings of the Lord Jesus Christ. The first coming was the Christmas story when he was born of a virgin, laid in a manger there in the town of Bethlehem. And thank God, that's not the only advent of our Savior, Jesus Christ. There's coming another advent called the second advent. Some of us call it the rapture, where born-again children of God will go up to meet the Lord in, as he comes back in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And then there's the second phase to the second advent, when Christ comes down to set up his kingdom uh, in Jerusalem uh, and to rule with a rod of iron and, and all the Gentiles will be subject to him and there'll be that 1,000 years of righteous reign which then will will enter into eternity. So those are the advents. The advent, uh, the first advent is usually that which is uh, four weeks prior to Christmas. So some of you come from denominations perhaps that had a big uh, emphasis on the advent and there's nothing wrong with that. There's everything right with that. Emmanuel, spelled with an E, is also spelled with an I sometimes, and it's one of those title names for Jesus, kind of a title name. It's another transliterated name, which means there was no, uh, there was no equivalent uh, word in, in the translation, so it's, it's actually a made-up word uh, to mean God is with us. We see it first in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, therefore the Lord himself shall, ascend with his, shall give you a sign, rather. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Uh, and that becomes then a symbolic and prophetic name of the Messiah, the Christ, prophesying that he would be born of a virgin, and that when he was born of a virgin, he would be God in effect, with us. God would be with us. So this name is found three times in Scripture. We've already cited two. The third time is in Isaiah 8, verse 8. So the other two Scriptures speak of Messiah, uh, Jesus the Christ specifically, and Emmanuel, as we've said, means God 
with us. God is with us to protect us. God is with us. I, I sometimes uh, think of, well, when I was in Bible college, um, I had a, a kind of a harrowing experience writing home grant. It was between uh, my first quarter and the second quarter in Bible college. I'd been to two years of, of college in liberal arts schools, but now I was in Bible college. And so I was driving home, convertible, no seat belts, because in 1961, Ford convertible Starliners didn't have seat belts. That was for sissies, I guess. I don't know. And uh, I had been up all week studying for exams. Can anybody identify with that? I hadn't had any sleep. I'd been uh, probably taking no-dose or something like that, trying to stay awake so I could study. Took all my tests, got in my car, had another guy who was studying to be a missionary uh, besides Sam Gill. I still remember his name. And we're driving. We hit the road. And I mean, I didn't get out of town. And I was going like this. I was sleeping. I rolled my window down. It was in November. It was like about 30 degrees, and I, I stuck my head out the window, and I'd turn the radio on, and I'd turn the radio off, and I'd roll the window up, and I kept trying to stay awake. Anybody ever heard of Cuba, Missouri? Cuba, Missouri, before they put I-44 through there, Cuba, Missouri road was like this, going through the, the town or the municipality of, of Cuba. And I made, I guess, the first couple of turns, and I woke up on the side of the road, two, two tires actually in a ditch, two tires on the road, and right in front of me was a farmer's driveway, uh, basically a wall of dirt. And I looked down, I was doing 90 miles an hour, and I cut the wheel this way and shot across the road, cut it back this way, and it, either at that point or the third time, I'm not sure which, it began rolling over and over and over and over and over. And I kept thinking, I just put brand new mufflers on this car. <laughs> I was a poor Bible student, and I'm probably going to scratch them all up, and it's going to be a mess. And then I came to, <laughs> and I was laying in the windshield that was uh, snapping and cracking. But you know what? I had, I had, I have to even look. I have a little cut, or I had a little cut, a little scar. I can't see it now, uh, on one of my hands, and that's all that happened. I, I said, Sam, where are you? Sam, where are you? And I, he said, I'm out here, I'm okay. And so God protected both of us in what could have been uh, a really, really bad situation. And that's just, you know, one example. How many times have we been in danger and didn't even realize it? I think sometimes we're thankful for the deliverances of God in our times of trouble and times of difficulty. But sometimes we're totally unaware of situations that were dangerous around us that could have been very, very bad. So God is with us to protect us. God is with us to save us. God wants you not just to know him for time and season. God wants you not just to worship him for a little while. God wants you for all of eternity where he is. God is with us, and God wants us to be with him forever and ever. So he's with us to protect us. He's with us to guide us. In Isaiah 8.10, take Counsel together, uh, the prophet is saying to an enemy of Israel, go ahead, take counsel together, and it shall come to naught. Speak the word, and it shall not stand, for God is with us. So Isaiah is saying in another way here to the invading army, enemies of Israel, he's saying, go ahead, plot against us. Go ahead, do your best. Make up your battle plan. Devise your plan. It will absolutely come to nothing because God is with us. Let me tell you something. I wouldn't want to be in this world without God being with us. I wouldn't want to face eternity without God being with me. I don't want to go into eternity without God being with me. And that's why, as an eight-year-old boy, I put my faith in Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Uh, you say, well, were you just afraid of going to hell? No, I, I loved the fact that God loved me so much that he sent his son to die on the cross for my sin. Although, being afraid of going to hell is pretty good motivation also, by the way. They're both pretty good motivations as far as God is concerned. So he's saying, go ahead, devise your plan. Uh, go ahead, work your battle against us. Not going to make a difference. Almighty God is with us. Remember what happened to Pharaoh? We were watching something on TV the other day about, uh, about the Pharaohs and about, uh, uh, and, and King Tut's thing is in town here, isn't it? it we saw that once. We were going to see it in L.A. We didn't make it. We we're going to see it in Chicago. We didn't make it. So we saw it when we were in Cairo. Uh, that worked. Uh, it, it was... <laughs> pretty authentic right there. So 
but the, the Pharaoh, the, the Pharaoh, the contest with Israel and how that these plagues came and, and a nation, a powerful, super powerful nation was wiped out because God was with Israel, this tiny slave nation that had been taken away, that had been brought into actually, uh, into Egypt and subjugated. And a Pharaoh grew up who didn't know Joseph and didn't know what Joseph had done for Egypt and making them a powerful nation. And so uh, they turned against the people of God. And remember what happened as Moses time after time after time had plague after plague after plague uh, caused all kinds of misery for Pharaoh. Remember what happened to the nations that attacked Israel when it went into the promised land. When they, they, they would avoid, they tried to avoid battle and yet the Moabites and the Ammonites and all the other Ike brothers would come after them. And, and try to defeat them and uh, it didn't work because God was with his people. And even going in uh, to, uh, to Jericho, a well-fortified city with walls, they were no match for Israel. Not because Israel was a mighty superpower, but because Israel was the people of God, people that God had chosen. And God was with them. Let me tell you something, and I love our military, and I love the might of our military, but it is not the might of our military that's going to save the United States of America. It's going to be God Almighty that's going to save the United States of America if she's going to be saved, if we haven't gone too far down the path of, of self-destruction. Remember what happened to Goliath? You got a little young, teenage, ruddy-faced, freckle-faced probably, maybe, I don't know what, uh, guy coming with a little sling, a slingshot and, and some stones, and he's coming after the, the giant, and the giant's got his armor bearer out in front of him. He's got this huge shield. He's got a, a telephone pole for a spear, and he's got all this armor on, and he's like, you you disrespecting me, sending this little brat after me, and, and David said, here you go. That's something for you, and you know, Goliath, last thing he said was nothing ever entered my mind like that before. <laughs> Not really. Okay. <laughs> but God was with David. Remember, no match, no enemy is a match when God is with us. Uh, the United States of America referenced that when, when we were just a, a struggling, brand new uh, nation against the mightiest empire that, that was on the face of the earth at that time against England, and we won the Revolutionary War, and we won uh, the War of 1812, it's because God Almighty was with the United States of America because the United States of America aligned with the godly principles of the Word of God. And when we depart, the nation that forgets God will be turned into hell, the Bible says. And that's what's happening, I'm afraid, in the United States right now. So uh, Emmanuel helps us in our, in our times. He protects us. He's, he goes with us. He helps us in our time of sorrow. I, uh, Pat and I, unfortunately, what night was it, Pat? We went to see Bob. Tuesday or Wednesday, we got a phone call that uh, one of my former staff members um, was at the point of death. And we went to the house and talked to her husband and went in and had prayer with her. And I, I told Pat that night, I said, uh, I don't think she'll make it through the night. And the next morning she'd passed away. And, and you know what? God was with her husband, even though it's a difficult time, even though it's something that I don't even want to think about. I can't even hardly, I can't even hardly have that thought come into my mind. It's so disturbing to me to have to go through what he's going through right now. Um, and I probably won't have to because guys don't live as long as ladies. There's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, but he's with us in our time of sorrow. And even though, and through tears, Bob said, through tears, it's going to be all right. She's going to be with God. I don't want her to suffer. In our conflict with temptation, he's with us. He's the one who gives us strength. He's the one who fortifies us. He's the one who guides us through times that otherwise we would cave in. We would give in to that temptation. Even uh, facing times of death. Uh, yesterday we had a funeral out on the beach in Imperial Beach. And, and here's this mom whose son is now departed. And uh, it's not supposed to be that way, is it? It's not supposed to be that way. We're supposed to outlive our children, right? Uh, that's the way it's supposed to happen. Yeah, uh, probably our, our parents are going to precede us and 
probably for sure our grandparents will precede us, but our kids are supposed to live longer than we do. And yet here was this mom and, uh, and God was with her and God uh, gives her comfort. He promises that he'll give us comfort. So this precious name implies that he's there to do all these things and more for us. At the time, Jesus gave his great commission at just before he, he left the earth for the final time. He said, lo, I am with you. How long? Always. Lo, I am with you. It says always. The implication, always. Lo, I am with you. Always. And, and, and he was with his disciples. Most of his disciples, if not all of them, were martyred or they were attempted John survived um, martyrdom and was then banished to the Isle of Patmos, but uh, most of the disciples were, in fact, martyred. And he said, I am with you always. And so I assume that God was with them even during their martyrdom. I've read accounts of martyrdom that I can't even fathom. Uh, was it Polycarp who was burned at the stake, burned alive, and continued to praise God as the flames consumed his human flesh? I can't imagine that. Don't know how that even works. When David recorded his famous shepherd psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He says in that, you are with me. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, thou art with me. When we walk through that valley of the shadow of death, we don't live there, we walk through it. We get through it. Isn't that right, Debbie? You don't stay there, you get through it. You've got, and, and you know, another day or another week or another month doesn't take away that loss. It just helps us to make that transition and it keeps us moving forward. So he walks with us through the valley of the shadow of death. The law is out there to condemn us. The law uh, is there to show us that, in that, that the entire world is guilty before God. Uh, in Romans chapter 3, it says, but what about good people? Someone said, I had someone ask me this week, what about so-and-so? He, he's just a good person. He never, never became a Christian, but he was just a good person. Uh, well, the Bible says there's none good. No, not one. In Psalm 14, 3, they're all gone aside. They're all together become filthy. There's none that doeth good. No, not one. Isaiah 53, 5, uh, 3 rather says, every one of them has gone back. They're all together become filthy. There's none that doeth good. No, not one. But those are both Old Testament references, right? So surely in the New Testament, surely there's some uh, further revelation maybe that if we're just good enough, if we're not, we don't, we don't kill people. We don't commit adultery. We don't rob banks. We don't, uh, we don't steal hubcaps. We're, we don't lie. We don't cheat. We don't steal. So therefore, uh, what about a good person? Well, here's a New Testament verse for you. Romans 3.12, they are all gone out of the way. They're all together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. You're guilty of one sin. The Bible says you're guilty of the entire law. So we're all condemned. That's why none of us could die for the other, for the other person. That's why no human being other than Jesus Christ, who was perfect, could ever become the ultimate sacrifice and the sinless, perfect Lamb of God. The rest of us are flawed. So there are no good people. I try to be good. It's, it's, a, it's a hard job being good when you're me. It really is. Some of you may have it a little easier. I don't know, but some of you have it a lot harder. I know that too. So, But I need God with me. Emmanuel is there for us when we're uh, when we realize that we're we've fallen so far short in Luke chapter 2 verse 10 the angel reassured them don't be afraid he said i bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people the savior yes the messiah the lord has been born today in bethlehem the city of david the Messiah came so that all of us who are not good can be made good through the work of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our God. God was with his people. God walked with uh, Adam, you remember, in the garden. Adam then sinned. He chose to sin. And God still sought him out. And God slew animals and took the skins and made clothing for Adam and Eve. God walked with Enoch and they talked about truth. They talked about doctrine. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you love to have been in on that conversation because they just got talking, got so immersed in that conversation. Next thing you knew, Enoch says, Enoch says, where am I? Oh, I'm in heaven with God. Holy cow, how'd that happen? I was so engrossed. They, they, they talked of the, the truth of, of God. Noah talked to God. God 
gave him building plans to build the ark. You ever get a chance to see the ark in Kentucky? Yes, it is in Kentucky. The land of my birth. The ark is, well, a ark is there. It's built in the same specifications uh, as the old ark, and it's pretty amazing. Uh, But God walked with Noah in the preparation for the ark. 120 years, Noah was building the ark and following the instructions of God and, and having dialogue with God Almighty. Abraham, in the beginning of his covenant people, was able to talk with God, and God talked to him. And then Moses, for the deliverance of Israel, we've already referenced that, he was he was talking with God. He talked to him when a bush was on fire and burning and was not consumed. He, he, he was told to put off his sandals because he was standing on holy ground because he was standing where God was. Fear not, he said, I am with you. 2,000 years ago, he became one of us. 2,000 years ago, he became God with us. And because he was a man, he knew, he knew our trials and temptations. He was a man, but he was still God. And to us today, he says, don't be afraid. I am Emmanuel. I am God with you. I kind of like the, he's before us. Psalm 37 says he goes before, he orders our steps. He's behind us. He's our rear reward. He's, he's the one who protects us uh, so that no ill can sneak up on us. He is beside us to comfort and to cheer, to catch our tears to encourage us. He is all around us. Why should we fear? He is above us because he is our beginning and our end, and he is within us, the companion that sticks closer than a brother. He is an eternal friend. He is our Emmanuel. So he's, he's God by implication. God is with us, and, and Jesus was born, so therefore Jesus is God. God, uh, and the above point, Emmanuel asserts the fact that Jesus is God, that he, Jesus, is with us. And sometimes this is a revelation even to, uh, to people who profess to be Christian. So, well, I, I believe in God the Father, but the, the Son of God, that's kind of a different category. No. Same category. Same category, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, equal in essence, co-equal, Jesus being the exact replication of God the Father. He was, in fact, and is God, and he's with us. His deity was constantly questioned, as you can well imagine. The Jews that were brought up in the traditions of Judaism heard this man teach and preach and wondered about him, and, and, and at one, on one occasion, Mark chapter 2, and Jesus said to a paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. Well, that's a pretty bold statement. The guy's not able to walk, and Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. And the Bible says some of the teachers of the religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? That's, who does he think he is? That's what they were saying. Who does this teacher think he is that he's telling this guy, your sins are forgiven. Only God can forgive sin. And they were right. Only God can forgive sin. And that's why Jesus had the authority and the power to say to this young man, your sins are forgiven you. So Jesus said, I will prove to you that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And what did he do? He healed the paralyzed man. Take up your bed and walk. So Jesus was a man, but not merely a man. He was also God. If Jesus Christ be a man and only a man, I say, that of all mankind, I will follow him and to him will cleave always. If Jesus be a God and the only God, I swear, I'll follow him through heaven or hell, the earth, the sea, the air. He is both God and man. He has the prerogatives of God. He searches the hearts of men, Revelation chapter 2, and I know that works, he says to the church. I know your labor. I know your patience. You can't bear them that are evil. You've tried them that say they're apostles and are not. You've found them to be liars and have borne and have patience and for my name's sake have honored, have labored and not fainted. He knew, he knew these people uh, in this church. He knew what their works were about. He, he intimate, had intimate knowledge about what their belief system was. He can also kill or revive. I am he that lives and was dead and behold, I'm alive forevermore. I have the of death and hell forevermore. He also receives worship, every creature in heaven on the earth, under the earth, and such as be in the sea, and all that are in them heard 
my saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sits on the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And he is sovereign, according to Revelation chapter 11, verse 15. The seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven, saying, the kingdoms of the world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. By the way, Jesus also received the titles of God. And I got to tell you, if Jesus were not God and someone addressed him as God, he would respond to them the same way that the apostle Paul and others responded. When people tried to worship them, he would say, God is the one worthy of your worship. I am but a man. But Jesus never said that. He receives the titles of God. He's called the living one in Revelation 1. He's called holy and true in Revelation chapter 3. He's called, as we've studied, uh, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end in Revelation 1.8 and Revelation 22. 13. He has passages, whole passages from the Old Testament that are applied to him. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 7, and Revelation 17, 14. They're almost like copied one from the other because Jesus was the fulfillment of that. And in Proverbs 3, the same thing with Revelation 3, and Daniel 7 with Revelation 1, 14. He is God. So Jesus is Emmanuel. He is God with us. He is God, and he is in fact, mighty God. In Isaiah 9, 6, for unto us a child is given, unto us a son is born, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. We'll talk about those two titles next week, Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Now, if someone, if you're saying, yeah, I believe he's the son of God. I believe he's very special. I believe he's way up there in the totem pole of authority and power and all of that. But I'm not sure I'm ready to say he's God. Well, you would disagree with Titus uh, 2.13 as Paul said, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So Jesus is that great God and that Savior. In fact, there's no more, no, no title more potent than that of Almighty God. Theological liberals sometimes translate that because they, they don't want to admit that Christ is really God. And so they say, well, the translation, an accurate translation there uh, is not uh, our great God and Savior, but rather that he's a mighty hero or, or a mighty ruler, that he was high uh, in, in esteem and, and, and abilities and, and accomplishments. But there's no justification linguistically for that kind of a translation. Elsewhere, Isaiah clearly refers to Almighty God in using that term. So he is the strong, the mighty one, the one that created all things. He is the one who sustains all things. He created our miraculous bodies, our incredible bodies that I don't know why every doctor, every surgeon, I don't know why every nurse is not automatically a born-again believer because of the complexity and, the, and the, the wonder, the miraculous thing that we have called a body with all the systems working the way that they're, or, well, at least they used to all work the way they're supposed to work. Not all of them work that way now. But anyhow, he is the one who created us that way. He's the, the blood system, the, uh, the respiratory system, the bone structure, the muscle, all of the insertion and, 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 and so on. And all of the different parts of the body, the complexities, amazing how he made us. And he's the one who sustains all things. And Jesus is God with us, almighty God with us. Hey, what are we afraid of? Almighty God's with us. What do we dread? Almighty God will go with us. What do we need? Almighty God will provide. He not only came from God, he is God. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God, almighty God, whom the heavens cannot contain, was confined to a manger in a lowly sta stable. Because he condescended, he came down to this earth for that pur purpose. Almighty God can be with you. Is he? See, he doesn't force himself upon us. You've probably seen at some point in your life that picture, that painting of Jesus standing outside the door, knocking. Next time you see it, check it closely. Look for a handle. 
look for a handle. There is no door handle on the outside because Jesus does not force his way in. He stands at the door and knocks, and we've got to invite him in and receive him and what he's done for us. So have you let him in to your heart, to your mind, to your soul, to your eternal being? If you haven't, what a great time, Christmas season 2022, to become a born-again child of Almighty God. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Our Father in heaven, we can't even imagine this plan that you've devised. We, we could never have come up with that. That the Almighty God who created everything and by whom all things continue, that he would have his own begotten son, only begotten son, crucified, rejected, spit upon, beaten, nailed to the cross so that in doing that, he could pay the ultimate price and redeem us with his precious blood. And not something we would have ever thought up. But Lord, we're so glad that you did. And, and the whole idea, not just that you saved us, but that in fact, you can indwell us and you can be with us forever is amazing. So thank you, Lord, for that opportunity. With every head still bowed, if, if you're here this morning, you're not sure that Christ is your Savior. Maybe you've kind of thought you were good enough because you're not as bad as a lot of people who claim to be Christians. That may be true, but that's not a good theological nail to hang your hat on, folks. All of sin comes short of the glory of God. You're not certain you're born again. Your sins are forgiven. Would you, would you like to know that? If you would, you can pray right now. Where you are, you can pray something. God knows exactly what's going on in your mind and in your heart. And you can say, dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm going to die one day. And I do believe that Jesus Christ is your son. He died for me on the cross. And right now, Lord, I ask you, please forgive me of my sins. Come to my heart. Come to my life. Come to my soul. I trust you as my God and my Savior. In Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer with every head bowed, still for another moment, every head bowed. If you just prayed that prayer right now, you meant it. Would you raise your hand up real high? Hold it up for just a moment. Let me see it. Then you can go ahead and take it back down. God bless you. Thank you. Are there others? Anyone else? Anyone else? Our God in heaven, we thank you for being with us. We thank you for blessing us. Lord, you're a mighty God. We pray that we'd be faithful to you. God, that we'd give you all honor, glory, and praise in this season in particular. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand as we stand together? If you would like to come have prayer. If you want to come and rededicate your life to the Lord, if you want to come be a member, if you want to come and say, Lord, I, I, preacher, I'd like to receive Christ as my Lord and Savior. We'll get someone to take the Bible and show you in just a couple of minutes how you can be a born-again child of God. So as our praise team leads us in a couple of verses of the invitation, this is your opportunity. If people are between you and the aisle, they'll gladly step out of the aisle. Just dismiss yourself and come on up here and we'll pray with you.
my prayer for all of us that we surrender everything we have, everything that we are, everything that we ever will be to the Lord of glory who deserves all of that and so much more. Deb, would you dismiss us in a word of prayer today? God bless you. Thanks for being in God's house. Oh, Father God, I just thank you so much for who you are. Um, one of my favorite names for you is Emmanuel, God with us. Uh, what an amazing blessing that God is always with us. Lord, I pray that you would be with each of us as we go through our week, Lord. Thank you for who you are and what you are, and we love you, Lord. And I just pray that we would just go through the week and do everything and every word we say and everything we do for your honor and your glory, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 God bless you. Oh, yes, we have one video, don't we? We have one more video. I'm sorry. Just go ahead and roll it. Thank you, Gary. <laughs> Thank you. Please be seated. We have a video. <laughs> At the beginning, there was darkness. If you're interested in helping with Awana, see Rachel or Gary. They'll be glad to put you to work. God bless you. Go with God because God sure is going to go with you.